I get to come in here and teach the Word of God verse by verse. I get to spend a little bit more time joking around a little bit more. We laugh, we cry, we, we dive into the Word of God in, in such a unique way. Across the way, the children, the youth, uh, they're just kicking it out. It's just working. It's happening. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. And it is just fun watching God show himself to us. We're talking about mysteries in the kingdom of God. And we began a series a while ago, but today I want to talk about how the mystery has been revealed. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked this? Why is so-and-so being blessed and I'm not? Or... How does so-and-so handle that tragedy or that difficulty in their life? Man, if that happened to me, I would fall apart. I would fall apart. You see, when we recognize the kingdom of God and the mystery of the kingdom of God, we're going to realize the truth that keeps you and me right there in Christ seated with him, walking in the kingdom principles. And whatever goes on in this world, it does not. Now, let me tell you, we have emotions. God gave them to us. We've learned that our emotions are to draw us closer to him. When there's joy, we draw closer to him. When there's tragedy, we draw closer to him. When there's struggle, we draw closer to him. When we feel like we're all alone, we draw closer to him and we're never alone because he never leaves us nor forsakes us. God wants to transform us into absolutely understanding the mystery of him creating us in his image and his likeness. You and I are not phased by this world. But we are ruled by the kingdom of God and the mysteries have been revealed. In John 18, it's not in your notes, but I want to read this to you. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Because if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, would struggle, would have problems with what the world's doing, the wrong decisions, the evil that's out there. They don't fight that because they know they're not of this world. So that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. Now Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly, notice the word rightly is not in the literal language. You say that I am a king. For this cause I was born. What cause? (laughs) The kingdom of God. For this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now, this whole series we've been teaching is revealing the mystery of Jesus through the book of John. 
Remember the statement that we made that proved the other disciple, I just need to talk about this, uh, was John when it says other disciple. In John 21, 24, it says this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. So just before this scripture, Jesus tells Peter some bad news. Now follow me, what I'm trying to show you. He says, Peter, you go where you want to go. You do what you want to do. But the day is coming, you will be led by some men, and they will lead you where you don't want to go, and they will do something to you that you don't want done. Now, basically, remember, he was talking about, Peter, you're going to be crucified too. Peter turns around, because Peter's Peter, and looks at the man whom Jesus loves, saying, what about him? So in other words, in that chapter, it's talking about the other disciple, the other one, and the one who basically wrote this, and that's John. And I'm giving that to you because there's something I want to talk about in a couple of weeks that you're going to bathe your thinking in this. John is really understanding something of the mystery of God that in the Old Testament was not revealed, but today in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, in our life, it is revealed. And when we understand it, we are going to be that person that walks in the kingdom of God and the things of this world does not phase us because we know we're not of it and we know that Jesus Christ, what Terry was talking about, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he's in control. That's how we know that the other disciple is John. We'll turn now to John 21 and we're going to begin with verse 1. And it says, after these things, what things? After the death and resurrection, the completed work, Jesus showed himself again. Again, here's John writing, talking about Jesus revealing something that was not revealed before to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. The terminology of the word showed himself literally means revealed. He revealed himself. There's more of the kingdom that has just been revealed. So Jesus reveals himself to the disciples. <clears throat> Jesus reveals himself to the disciples. Now I want you to grab a hold of that because I'm going to ask you now, what does that mean? What does that mean that Jesus revealed himself? Hi, I'm Jesus. Hi, I'm a carpenter. Hi, I did this. Did you know that my mom's name is Mary? No, that's not what he's talking about, what he's revealing. He's revealing the principles of the kingdom of God that he was telling Pilate about. So Jesus, let me tell you this story. Jesus meets them on the beach. Jesus is standing on the beach. And the disciples are a little offshore and they were fishing. You remember the story. Jesus tells them, 
cast your nets on the right side of the boat. Now, with that statement, some people would think, oh, I get it. The fish were on the right side of the boat, and they were just fishing all night on the left side. No, that's not what it's telling us. What it's telling us is they've been doing life, they've been doing their business marketplace, and they've been doing everything they know what to do in this world to succeed in the life that they are doing at that moment. The disciples hear Jesus, and in obedience, they, they turn and cast their net at that moment on the right side. Again, they've been fishing all night, and they haven't caught a thing. How many of you have fished all night or all morning, haven't caught a thing? What's your vocabulary all about? <laughs> the question is, do you think they were fishing and they just had a bad day? Well, maybe. Or maybe someone was fishing and they weren't as good as they were. And because they were doing things wrong, they scared to fish away. Well, maybe, no. The question is, do you think they knew what they were doing? Yeah, they did. They knew what they were doing in this world. They knew what they've experienced in this world. They've had experience of that before. And they had thoughts of it. Why? But now, here's this guy who they know, and he says, cast your net on the right side. They do it. And the Bible literally tells us that they catch 153 fish. They fished all areas, and then a guy tells them what to do, and they do it, and they catch 153 fish. Why am I just over and over talking about it? Because they did what Jesus said, the the harvest came in. Because they were obedient to what Jesus said, the harvest came in. It shows us when we obey, there is a harvest in the area of our obedience. In the kingdom of God, in the mystery of the kingdom of God, it is not by what I know, it's not by being good at what I do, It's by hearing the voice of God and the direction of the Holy Spirit and obeying that even though, remember last time, you know, we we find in the stories, we're going to talk about the second time Jesus does that, is they say, hey, we've been fishing all night. We've been fishing all night. So in other words, a lot of times in this world, because of experience and knowledge and wisdom of the world, everything. We have a tendency to know what to do, and we do it thinking we're doing the will of the Father. Because we're smart. And guess what? You are smart. I've hung around you for a long time in this church, and you're smart. You're wise. You're good at what you do. But I want to tell you, when God says something in the mystery or what's revealed of God, the kingdom of God, 
There are times in your life and in my life that God will say something to you and you say, no, that's not how it works. And he says, you need to do it this way. And if you obey, you will have a harvest in that particular area in your life. Again, this is the second time Jesus told them to cast their nets. The first time, the nets didn't hold the harvest. See, in Luke 5, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus told them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat, and they obeyed, and they couldn't contain the fish. Their nets tore. Remember last week, we talked about the death, burial, and resurrection, and, and the power of that, the finished and the complete work? After the death, burial, and resurrection, here's the kingdom, the nets didn't tear. Jesus is revealing something new. You and I have an ability in our lives today because of the finished and completed work. And now, when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that never contradicts Scripture, and we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and we obey what we can expect is we can handle everything that comes. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God has a harvest planned for you. But the only way you will be able to hold the harvest that God has for you, you must experience the death, the burial, and resurrection in your own life in every area of your life. God wants you to be fruitful in your marriage, but you won't be able to hold the harvest and the marriage can tear. If you haven't experienced the death, burial, and resurrection in your marriage, See, the key to successful marriages are two dead people. I'm going to say that again. The key to a successful marriage are two dead people. I'm not talking about going to a cemetery and seeing a couple that have passed away and said, man, now they have a successful marriage. I'm talking about I'm talking about a spiritual maturity that comes in your life. This means to die to self and love and serve the Lord and each other. Then you will be successful. Let me explain this a little deeper. Now we're going to dig deep. Then, matter of fact, it's going to take me next week also to cover the points I want to give to you. In your marriage, if one person is alive in your marriage, you're going to have problems. If one person sits up in their casket, you will have an argument. The one who sat up 
selfishness took over. But if you both understand the kingdom principle, you both stay dead, you will succeed. See, the marriage plan, and we're not talking about marriage, but I thought this was a good example. The marriage plan is agreement with Christ and each other because there's three. Husband, wife, and God. And marriage was not created for happiness. Oh, when I get married, I'll be so happy. Marriage was not created for happiness. It was created for agreement. If you agree, happiness arrives. If you don't die, disagreement takes over and unhappiness arrives and selfishness becomes the lifestyle. Now, some of you, God has given you a financial harvest. He's given you a great job. He's given you inheritance. He's given you things. He's given you a car. He's given you a new bike. Whatever it may be, that is a financial harvest. But because you haven't died in that area, your nets have torn. Have you ever known anybody that just can't get ahead? They're tithing, they're giving, they're serving in church, they're a good employee, they're doing everything right in this world. But the reality is, is the obedience of hearing the voice of God is not there. And because of that, they either overspend, they live way above their means, and they're saying tithing doesn't work. It has nothing wrong with tithing. Has everything wrong with the lifestyle or not living in obedience and hearing the voice of God. In July... Middle of July, I'm not going to scare you, but in the middle of July, I'm going to do a teaching. The Lord's really began to show me uh, some areas of life in how to handle finances. So we're not going to preach about tithing and giving, and, but we're going to learn how to handle when we do obey the things of the kingdom of God and harvest comes in, then we're going to know how to hold on to it and our nets won't tear. See, it's my responsibility as a man of God, as a pastor, as a shepherd, to shepherd you in areas of life whereby things are going good because you're walking, you're godly, you're wonderful, you're, you're a giver, you're, you care for people, you pray for people, you're a prayer warrior, but all the time your nets are tearing. Why is that? We're going to learn that. So... If you're not on vacation, make sure you're here. So we've given, been given a financial harvest, but our nets keep tearing. 
So what will happen when the nets keep tearing is God will take you through a process where you will have a death. And when I say that word in terminology, I want you to understand I'm not talking about God will put sickness and disease on you because that doesn't come from God. All good things come from the Lord. But he will take you through a death where there will be a spiritual burial and resurrection in that area of your life. So you are able to hold your harvest. God wants to bless you. God is blessing you. But a lot of times the fish are getting away because the nets are tearing. So what is the mystery revealed that we need to learn today and we'll continue next week? Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 says this. The mystery which has been hidden from ages, from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Everyone say the word now. You have it today, church family. I love you. I believe in you. You're awesome. But I want you to understand the kingdom. It's not about the world's knowledge. It's not about Yay, the world is going to open up on the 15th. Unless he changes his mind for the 100th time. No, God says, you hear my voice. You obey what I've asked you to do. I will give you a harvest. I will give you those 153 fish. But now you got to understand because of the finished and complete work, your nets do not have to tear. You don't have to live a life knowing just sometimes things fall apart, sometimes things don't. Sometimes things go good, sometimes things go bad. That's the world. The enemy comes in, but like a flood, Jesus Christ raises up a standard. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and it is completed. It is a done deal. Now, to them, verse 27, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Here it is. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What in the kingdom of God does that mean? The mystery is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The whole book of John is about Christ in you. The power of God in you. The ability that you and I have to live in this world. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, Christ has overcome the world. Christ in you, living in your life, working in your life, and ministering in your life. Christ in you is a hope you only have of a glorious marriage. Christ in you is the only hope you have of a glorious family. God put that on my heart last week regarding children, and Pastor Terry said it perfectly. So ladies, don't miss Tuesdays. But the reality is, is you have to understand that I know some of you are hurting. 
In Jesus' name, healing manifest over your husband, over your wife. In Jesus' name, healing manifest over your children, your grandchildren, your siblings. But I want to tell you, Christ in you is the hope. He took stripes upon his back. The work is completed. Proclaim in Jesus' name the power and the anointing of God that comes through you because he is in you. The world will say this and the world will say that, but what did Christ say to you who's in you? Are you listening? Christ in you is the only hope you have of a glorious life. See, there is no victory without Christ being birthed in our hearts. Oh, I just said another religious statement, birthed in our hearts. What in God's kingdom does that mean? So let's go on. Let's find out. We're talking about things of old that only a few people, you had to take all the sacrifices to a few people. And then they would do it. They would pray. You'd stand in line, blood everywhere, all the different things going on in the sacrifices. And then now Christ shed his blood, finished the work, completed the work. Now he's in you. Now you proclaim what he says to you. What has, been, has God been telling you? Yeah, I know that's what the word says, but you know what's going on in my life. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, your nets are tearing because you're not living the life that God's prepared for you. Christ in you. Follow me. We're going to get there. We're going to get how, how this happens. Now look at the conversation Jesus has with Peter. John 21, this is, this is an awesome, I've taught on this. There's many avenues to go with this, but follow me as I teach you the principle that I want to give you here. John 21, verse 15, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, notice he says Simon Peter, Simon of old, Peter of new. Things that wasn't revealed in Simon, now revealed in Peter. Son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, we know the teaching, the word love. There's three different words. That's not what we're going to cover today. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he said to him. Feed my lambs. Most people think Jesus said the same thing three times. He did not. Jesus said first, feed my lambs. Follow the growth here. Verse 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Tend, the second time, he says, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus said the third time, feed my sheep. So I want you to notice 
what I believe Scripture is revealing to us today in the kingdom of God. So here's my first point, and we'll cover the next, next week. This story speaks about levels of spiritual growth. There are three stages of spiritual growth that Jesus is bringing to Simon Peter. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says this, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. These are three stages of growth. First of all, let's talk about children. With children, we are all there. Whatever age we were when we became born again, we were a child in the Lord. Your sins are forgiven. When you first got saved, you were more excited about the revelation of being forgiven than anything else. When you first got saved, you weren't thinking, oh, now I'm going to start tithing, I'm going to start giving, my finances are going to get in line, my marriage is going to get You weren't thinking about that. You were thinking about, I'm saved. No more guilt in my life because your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven. Well, here's the next step of spiritual growth. Young men, you've overcome the wicked one, it says. <clears throat> have you ever known anybody or have you ever done this? I did it when I was young in the Lord. I had a problem with my vehicle. <clears throat> Instead of calling my brother, who I call MacGyver, um, I got out, parked the car, got out, and laid my hand on the, on the hood of the car. Said, in Jesus' name, if that's you, enemy, you get out of here because I'm a child of God. Okay, I was growing. Now, some of you might think, well, that's a little extreme. But guess what? It worked sometimes. <laughs> Amen, it did. Because <clears throat> that's all I had. But I had that. But many times we see victories like that because we are still in a growing process. God is so gracious to us. When we have that little faith and we go out and crazy stuff... Now there are a lot of people who are really grown in the Lord and been in church a long time. And, well, that's a little extreme, don't you think? Let me give you a name of a good mechanic. Okay? Well, you see the growth aspect and how sometimes religion can take over. Well, here's the third, fathers. It's because you have known him, it says, who is from the beginning. This is maturity where we come to a place the most important thing in our lives is just knowing God. And in the kingdom of God, in the principles and the mysteries of the kingdom of God, the most important aspect of our life to seeing our harvest and holding on to our harvest is just knowing him. Just knowing him process of growth. And let me just tell you, um, process of growth is always there until the day that we go to be with the Lord. So it never stops. But there will come a day, maturity is there, that you become 
a father. Let's read this. Philippians 3.10, Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Paul is saying, I just want to know him so well that I, I just fellowship with his sufferings. It doesn't matter what goes on in my life. What matters is that I know him. And in the process of pain and struggle in my life, I just want to know him. I want to be a son or a daughter. I want to be a blessing to God. Paul said, I want to know him so bad, I want to know and fellowship with him. So you can see these stages of spiritual growth. And in a couple of weeks, we'll get back to this. <clears throat> Next week is Father's Day, and we're going to rejoice in that. But we need to answer this question. What does it mean, a maturity, that all that matters is knowing God's lifestyle? What does that mean? Because, you know, that, that can, when you hear that, you think, oh, yeah, bring it on, devil. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. Oh, I know, everything's falling apart. Well, I'm just going to sit here in my easy chair. Just trust the Lord. Nope, that's not what we're talking about. Because when you are waiting on the Lord, waiting or patience on the Lord is not just sitting around doing nothing. It is growing and it's becoming and doing what God has asked you to do. So there's a long list of the process, but how do you mature? And I'm going to give you the key, the kingdom principle of maturing, and it's found in Mark chapter 4, and we're going to begin with verse 1, and it's called the sowing of the word. The sowing of the word of God in your life. Some of you, okay, please just look at me for a second. I know you're clicking on your tablet or you're looking at your Bible. Many of you know this. Matter of fact, we did a whole series on this. But listen to what God is saying to you today. Because we are opening up in the world, masks, all the different things. But the reality, God has already opened things up. When Jesus said, it is finished and it is complete. And you and I need to understand this key principle and understand the importance of it not just the how and doing it and, and living it every day, but really understanding the kingdom uh, power of what we're about to learn. Verse 1. And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. The nets broke. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop, but other seed fell on good ground 
and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, in this story, everybody can hear God. Everybody can hear God. But not everybody does. Verse 10. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, not born again, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive. And hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So it's talking about when you become born again, now there's a process of learning how to hear God and learning how to walk in this spiritual depth that God is talking about so that your nets don't tear, so that your marriage doesn't tear in areas. So there are areas that you just set aside in your marriage and it never gets better because it always tears. It always gets bad in that area. Those things happen. Or your finances or raising your children. So what it's bringing out here, listen closely. There will be those who hear God but don't see it. They'll hear it, but they really don't see it. Yeah, okay, all right. This is what I do. This is what I believe. Are you hearing religion out of there? This is what I was told. Does it match with the Word of God? I don't know. I don't read the Word of God. There will be those that see it. They hear it. They see it. But they don't perceive it. So it doesn't become revelation of the kingdom to them. But they know what it says, but it's not revelation to them. In other words, it has not sunk in and hasn't become a lifestyle. We'll show you what that means, that it becomes your lifestyle, how that happens in a second. So in order to see it, perceive and understand the word, something must happen or manifest in your heart. Jesus explains the process. Verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? In other words, if you don't understand about hearing, understanding, perceiving, seeing it, all the different aspects there in the growth process, there will be no parable. Everybody will talk. You'll, you'll listen to me and say, oh, Good sermon, Pastor but it won't become your lifestyle. Hmm. Let's read that again. And he said to them, do, not, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand life? The sower sows the word. Speaks of sowing the word in your heart. So when you hear it, you may not see it, but you need to sow it in your heart. You may sow it, okay, or you may hear it and then sow it, but you don't perceive it. You need to stick it in your heart and wait on the Lord to reveal it to you. 
Mark 4, verse 15. Let's continue. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, let me just tell you, um, when you understand the kingdom principle, Satan has no power or authority over that. He can't do that unless it's not in your heart. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Praise God. In Jesus' name, engine start. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, see that? For the word's sake, for what Jesus said. What's he trying to do? He's trying to take the word out of you. He's trying to tell you it doesn't work. Go back to what you know. Have you ever done that when you've stepped out into something you didn't know? It didn't work at first, so what do you do? You went back to the normal thing. Someone got you a new pan, you tried to cook with it, it didn't work like your old pan. So what'd you do? You cleaned it, wrapped it up, and gave it to another party, someone else. Because you're going to go back to what you knew. All right, let's, let's read this again. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on, sto sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. But now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word, and becomes unfruitful. That's July's series. We're going to learn how to break that syndrome of that same thing happening all the time in our life. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. See, I want you to recognize God's plan is never to be barren. God's plan is always bearing fruit. And we're going to learn what fruit that is later on. Everyone in this parable heard the word. Jesus explains there, there are four types of people. Three out of the four didn't receive any fruit from what they heard. One type of person or piece of ground heart, produce fruit in three different levels, 30, 60, and 100-fold. Growth process keeps growing, keeps growing. There's many areas of your life. The kingdom principle is this. There are many areas of your life. The key is being obedient, sowing the word that God said, Scripture, and what God speaks to your heart, which coincides with the word, and you plant it, and you hang on to it. You hold on it. You have the power to hold on to it, but it's because you are making those steps of allowing the revelation to manifest and don't give up. Church family, some of you have gone through, I'm going to say it, 
Hades on earth. I was going to say hell on earth, but that might be too strong. (laughs) Hades on earth during COVID. And you are devastated. I want to tell you, but in the midst of your devastation, kingdom, the mystery of the kingdom, God is revealing some things to you. He said things to you. There were times you were in worship here. And Pastor Ryan and Melissa or whoever was leading was there and they brought a song and God spoke to you. And it's gone in the wayside. You went back home to the same stuff and it kind of burned up. And I'm telling you what God is saying that there's a growth process that's happening in all of us. But there comes a time, we're gonna learn a couple weeks, that we become fathers and mothers that it's no longer about us, that it becomes about others around us. And we become a blessing to one another. That we see the anointing on Pastor Ben and Sylvia, but we go to Pastor Ben and Sylvia and we bless them. Over 30 years of prison ministry, and he's retiring in that because of age. But the reality is, the power and the anointing of God that is in him, that we need to honor that and honor one another. And it comes to the place in churches today, it's all about what we know and other people don't. And I'm telling you, we need to grow out of that, out of that childhood state and begin to be people that love people. And when you go to the store, it's about leading them to Christ and not buying the best steak. When you go to the fast food drive through it's about saying something good instead of maybe they, they skip the cheese. It's about being a blessing to people. I'm not talking about extreme. I'm not talking about whatever happens, happens. I'm talking about letting Christ in you lead your life, what you do, what you think, and what you say. That even if that means to suffer, that that's okay by you because you know him. And you know that the work was finished and completed and it will turn around. I will not allow stuff to stop me. Amen. Don't say that, Pastor. The devil might hear you. I will not allow anything to stop what I know God is saying. And I won't move until I hear God saying something to me. And I know the revelation of it. There are things I want to do I don't do because I haven't heard God say it. And what I want to do is nothing wrong. It's not sin. It's good. But have you heard God say it in you? Learn how to receive the word properly and to protect it so it will grow up and have maturity, producing a harvest and bear fruit in your life. Prepare your heart to be good ground. So in this story, who's the sower? God is. In this parable, the sower is God. The parable is about the word being sown into your heart, a heart ready to receive the word, getting rid of selfishness and no longer being about me. It also is about the enemy, Satan, trying to get the word out of your heart. Church family, the war 
has been won, but there still is an epic battle. And you know what the epic battle is? It's not about you. The battle is about your neighbor coming to Jesus Christ. The battle is about your children hearing the words of the Lord. And the battle is about you when they don't want to hear you. They do hear you, but they don't want to hear it. And you then get on your face before God and you bind everything that would hinder. Some of you young people, you need to understand that sometimes your, your parents are out of line, but you honor them. You honor them. They're out of line. Some of us have, were raised by a bad father. And you hate what they did, and it hurt what they did. But I want to tell you, you honor fatherhood. And don't allow anyone to steal the word implanted into your heart because you're going to grow. And then you're not only going to be a father, if you're not already, of children, but you will become a spiritual father in the body of Christ, in your neighborhood, in your home. Mothers, spiritual moms, that life doesn't lead you, you lead life because what is leading you is Christ in you. And that's everything. It doesn't matter. It could be the hardest day of your life, but it doesn't matter because Christ is in you and the work has been completed. So let's live that life of power. Are you with me, church? When you become like this psalm, Psalm 1, you will never fail. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. It's a lifestyle. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, Remember that song, Let the River Flow? That brings forth its fruit in its season. Didn't say that it might bring forth, that it brings forth its fruit in its season. Whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's the mystery of the kingdom of God, Christ in you. Shall we stand? Amen. Praise the Lord. Matter of fact, let's just give the Lord an applause. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We have